Welcome back to the Zert Coffee and Chaos podcast. This is a show that we talk about anything and everything relating to what it means to be a prepared individual and a survivalist in today's day and age. Today, we are episode 22, but actually episode two, where we are on both YouTube platform and obviously the, the audio portion is on the same streaming apps that you've been using now. So if you are watching this, you get to see my face, you get to see Jamie Franks. Jamie Franks, like welcome you. back to the show. <laughs> I know, right? At least we have one semi-good-looking person on here. I'll let the audience dis- decide who that is. But <laughs> Jamie, uh, welcome back to the to the show in the new the new way, the new platform, if you will. Yeah, interesting. This is uh, this is my first foray into doing this this way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, obviously, the the last episode that we had was kind of unorthodoxed, based off of what we've been doing up until now. But um, let's keep religion out of it. Okay. Right, right. No, definitely can't use that word. But uh, it, I think it went pretty well. Um, I don't know if you've listened to it yet, but, you know, Sean owns the Firearm Radio Network and there is a bunch of different podcasts on there. And I, you know, I asked him, I said, I, I wondered, I'm like, do you listen to other people's? And, and he had a pretty good answer to that and, you know, gave some insight as far as him providing feedback and and I'm like, okay, well, I haven't had any feedback, so hoping it doesn't, uh, it hasn't been just a rambling, incoherent podcast for the last 21 weeks. So, but here we are, and uh, we've got a pretty fun show today. Um, I'm excited for this one. Um, definitely, it's definitely going to be interesting especially after the the text message that you sent me with that article. I was like, oh, all right. Well, I guess we're going to kind of throw that in there. But, um, you know, I know that you had a busy morning. You were swimming with the sharks. Were you? uh, Yeah, literally. Um, Yeah, I got up early at about 445 this morning when diving. So So you, you didn't make any highlight reels for Shark Week, right? Not that I'm aware of. Okay. But we did see some sharks this morning. Those were, um, you, it's, it's actually, um, depending on who you ask, what they're called, but they're, um, uh, people call them either taupe sharks or, um, soup fin sharks. But, um, their, the, their body shape and everything re- does resemble a great white. And, uh, but it's just a little bit smaller. I mean, the, um, the one we saw today was probably a little smaller than me, but the one I saw about a week ago or two weeks ago was about my size um and actually just earlier this week um there was a sighting just a couple of miles away from the area we were diving today where where somebody did uh, have a juvenile great white sighting that doesn't really make me feel just knowing that it's a juvenile doesn't make me feel a whole lot better because i like i don't know <laughs> how that goes with sharks but i was, was always told that like with venomous snakes it's worse to encounter one that's that's a juvenile because they haven't regulated their amount of venom or whatever. Right. So like if, if you get bit by a juvenile venomous snake, it's actually worse than if you get bit by a bigger one. So I don't know how that plays into the shark world. It's just um, coincidental that it's shark week, shark week on uh, discovery channel. And like all of a sudden, just like in the last week, there's been tons more uh, shark sightings in San Diego. So yeah. Interesting. And, and, and this is going to be an unpopular opinion. Um, but shark week 
has officially jumped the shark. Um, and I'm hoping <laughs> there's some, there's some people out there that'll hopefully get that reference, but, um, I used to love it, man. I used to love this week every year because shark week was just a great week of amazing shows. And now it is literally ominous music and complete scripted. What's going to happen in between the next ominous music and, and commercial break. And then they come back and everything is fine. Well, and they, number one, I was, Shark Week hasn't recently jumped a shark. Like, I was kind of over Shark Week when I was, like, 17. Um, and it's one of those things that, for some reason, some TV executive still thinks people are interested. I, I don't really think people are that much. But, uh, you know, especially with Shark Week, like, all the programming, like you said, it's just so canned and so cheesy. And mm. they do that thing where, um, you know, it's an hour-long show. So an hour-long show is typically about 42 to 43 minutes uh, with commercials. And then they do that thing where it's like the last five minutes before the commercial break, it's like, when we come back, we're going to see which shark would win in a fight. And then right. when they come back, they spend the first five minutes after the break going before the break, we talked about blah, 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 blah. And so yeah. it's, it's all, it's all, you end up with about 15 minutes of, of programming that's not really that good anyway so yeah um, it, but they used to show like all the uss indianapolis stuff they would show like on shark right. week and, and that kind of stuff which is which is interesting but then it went to this computer animated who would win but if if a thousand great white sharks took on a megalodon who would win and it's this yeah, computer generated it, things that's not even very interesting so it's just it's just gotten so bad and and every like every scenario you know it's like the divers talking and they got the you got the weird sounding you know like they're they have yeah. comms down in the water and they're like what are you seeing up there jimmy oh my god it's a frenzy oh my god and then it's dun 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 and they go to commercial and then they come back and it's just like wow that was crazy down there there were sharks in the water yeah 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 of course there were <laughs> go back to that you know the comment that you made when i put a post up about taking a picture of the ocean like yeah, you reach down, put it in. Is there salt in it? Yeah, there's sharks in the water. Great. If the water tastes salty, there are sharks in the right. water. So it's just, it's gotten so bad. And I, I, I try to watch it. I tried a couple of times this week, and it's just, I'm like, man, nah, I'm going to just go catch reruns of The Sopranos. Uh, so that's funny you say that because I've been rewatching uh, Deadwood. I started back at season one, episode one of Deadwood, and that's so good. It was a really good show. And I, so funny enough is I did not watch it the first time around. So I started watching it, which is now my first time. Um, I stopped and I, I, I'm going to have to go back and finish it. But then there was that one. And then there was Boardwalk Empire, which was another one that I did not watch originally. Um, I didn't really, I didn't really love Boardwalk Empire. I was, I was Soprano super fan number one back in the day. Um, like so I, and good. now <laughs> about I'll have to I I have to give it about five years and about every five years I'll go back and rewatch the whole series I have to give it enough time to like forget the little details and stuff so it's interesting again but I haven't watched Deadwood I think I think the last time I watched Deadwood was when I was in Afghanistan the last time I was in Afghanistan was 2013 okay. so it's probably been about 10 years since I've watched Deadwood it's really good yeah. though it, I'm watching I mean, it again I forgot how good The Sopranos was and I haven't watched it yeah. since it originally aired so this is my first time rewatching it. It's so funny. Like there's such great comedy in that. Um, there is times where I'm just like, all right, enough with the constant yelling at each other, like between Carmela and Tony all the time, just yeah. arguing all the time. The mother, 
as much as I loved her, I like I remember watching him like, okay, what season does she die in? Because I kind of want to skip to that. Um, but just some of those characters like Polly Walnuts <laughs> and Sylvia, like you just like some of the Well, I'll tell you, it's I think it's the like really this is something that I think she should be proud of because I think it's a, a trademark of a really good actor actress because the actress that plays Janice, Tony's sister, yeah. if I ever saw her on the street, I would spit in her face because I hated her so much <laughs> on The Sopranos. Was... But it's, I guess it's supposed, I suppose that's because she's just a really good actress and man, yeah. I hated her, but she, uh, she was, she was rough. Yeah. But like, um, I used to be a, a big Howard Stern fan also. I, okay. I would listen to Howard Stern every day. And uh, Howard Stern always wanted to interview Tony Soprano. He uh, did not want to interview James Gandolfini. He wanted Gandolfini to come into the studio but be Tony. <laughs> and he wanted to interview Tony, and they never made that happen. And, uh, uh, you know, we lost Gandolfini, unfortunately. But yeah, he, awesome. he was so he was so good. He was really good. Um, and what, I, what I'm probably going to do after I finish it I will go back and watch the movie um, Many Saints of Newark yeah. be because I think there's a lot that didn't really connect when I when I watched that movie when it first came out because it had been so long since I watched The Sopranos, but I, I am going to do that. Um, if you're really a Sopranos fan, they did, they did that movie really well because they put a lot of little Easter eggs in it that are callbacks to like stories that Tony told from his childhood or that um, the times when Tony is like in with Dr. Melfi and they flash back to his childhood. A lot of the stuff in the movie expands on those things that they flash back to and those like stories that he told and stuff. So it's, it's good. And they, they really made it for the fans. Yeah. But it's, but yeah, it'll be better to watch it with all that stuff fresh in your mind. Yeah. Well, definitely, definitely going to watch that. Um, I'm on, I think I'm on season five right now. So they just brought in, you know, obviously they're, they're wrapping it up. They just brought in, um, Steve Buscemi's character, yeah, Blendetto. And Blendetto, and um, and uh, this is when Johnny Sachs takes over. Carmine, I think, just just passed away. So, um, it's just such a great. It's it's a really a great episode. Yeah. Uh, and funny enough, is I just saw this. Um, and damn, I can't remember the Anthony Junior. I can't remember his his real name. Um, and Jamie Lynn Sigler. They have a podcast right now. Oh, no um, way. Yeah, they do. So one of those, I'm going to end up watching those or watching or listening to one of them. I think they're doing both audio and video. So I, I'm going to check that out and see what they uh, see what they have on there. But I, I believe there's been a couple of people that have passed since actors that were on the show. Um, yeah, Paulie passed. Yeah, um, yeah, he did. Um, what's his name? The guy that uh, Big Pussy, he uh, he passed. Oh, he did. Um, I, I believe so. Yeah. Um, and obviously, obviously James Gandolf, Tony, yeah. uh, uncle junior, the, um, you know, they, the Tony's mom, they, they actually had to kill her on the show because she because passed away she passed. unexpectedly, you know, yeah. during when they were filming, but yeah. Yeah. Um, God, it was such a good show. Yeah. Um, anyway. and I don't even, oh, that's right. We, we got onto the Sopranos cause we got off of shark week and we got on shark week because you went diving this morning. Yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, and I, I got to look in the book is in the book. Is there a, uh, how to survive a shark attack scenario? I don't know. I'm going to have to check that one out. Um, there, there is some scuba stuff in there, but it's, it's a little dumb. It is a little dumb. So, and, and I got to say, you know, so today's episode is, is all about this, this book that I've referenced. I think I referenced in the last show, um, and it's a book that I was given way back 
when I was a little bit younger uh, from an ex, and it's the worst case scenario survival handbook. Oh, mine's, you can see mine, can't see, there it is. So uh, it is, this is a hard copy that obviously is a lot bigger than the original paperback that I had. Um, I did give it out to all of the state moderators and um, the HQ admins for Zert as kind of just a gift, something to read, something to enjoy. Um, it was, I don't know when it was first published, but obviously it's written by Josh Piven and David Borgenicht. Just butcher that right away. But it, it's a fun read. Do I think that it is a survival handbook? No, I, I, I don't. Um, but there's some things well, in there. Go ahead. Sorry, oh, I didn't mean to cut you off. But like what we're going to talk about today is is a perfect example because um, you know we're going to talk about basically land navigation um, without the use of a GPS. And like in this book, it's three pages, and I'm as as a person that's uh, right, pretty much an expert on land navigation. That's there's more than three pages that you need to know. But. And and so that you know, and I, I definitely would love to find out if there is a. Um, a more in-depth version of this book. Um, I would also like to ask the question, where are they, where are they coming up with this? I mean, is this just a basic cliff notes to it? And why would you, again, I don't know the purpose of this book. I don't know if it's made to just be a fun read and like one of those coffee table books to pull out when you have a dinner party, if those are still a thing. And you're like, what would you do in this scenario? But there were a couple in there that I wanted to, to kind of look at. What's what's funny is for this one, how to navigate without GPS, it was like you said, three pages. But I think the how to land a plane was a lot more in depth, which I don't know. I mean, <laughs> I think I'd want to know more about how to navigate without GPS than I want to know how to fly a plane. I don't know. That's a, that's a toss up. <laughs> that's a toss up. And there, there's a, there's another version of these books. Um, it's, it's kind of the same thing, but kind of different. It's like, um, I think they were written by a former Navy SEAL or something, but there's, there's, it's a, there's two of them. There's two volumes. It's like, um, it's like called, see, I have one of them. Somebody gave me one of those as a gift too. I don't have both of them, but it's like secret agent skills or something. So those ones have stuff like, how to steal a car, how to pick a lock, how to break into a house, like how, you know, um, stuff like that. And those are, those are pretty neat too. Yeah. But it's kind of the same thing. It's just, it's good for reading when you're on the toilet. That's it. And, and, and maybe that's what this is. Maybe this is a good, leave your phone on the charger and read a chapter, if you will, a chapter on one of these worst case scenario things that you may find yourself in. But today there, there were two in there that I felt that we could, that one, we've kind of, we've kind of touched on in the past and two, they, they could potentially go hand in hand. And it was, um, how to survive or how to navigate without GPS and how to survive if the grid goes down. And we've definitely touched on, on both of those. And obviously there is a, you know, a, a kind of ability to link the skill gear or skill gear conversation that we've had, you know, skills, yeah. Trump gear. Um, and that's kind of, you know, where it went. So 
do I, just to be clear, do I think that you should read this book and then think that you are prepared for any of these scenarios? No, I do not. I just want to make that disclaimer very clear. Like, don't, don't read how to land an air. If you go out and you get this book, don't read the chapter on how to land an airplane and then be the first to be like, Hey, I know how to do that. And if the, if the pilot gets sick, um, was it airplane one or two? Which airplane movie was it? <laughs> there, the, uh, I don't remember. They kind of run together. Oh God. But to um, me. Yeah. So, um, th the first part was obviously how to navigate without GPS. And, you know, we've, we've talked about this and there were a couple of things that, um, I, I wanted to, to, to start with first, like, so obviously they, you know, in, in the, the first thing is they, they, they tell you to determine, um, the, you know, cardinal, cardinal, cardinal direction. It's the first step. Um, and they talk about in, in the book, they say, you know, study a topographical map of your area. And my first thought was, okay, well, what if I'm not in my area? Like what, what then? Right. So sure you can apply some of this to your local area. And I think in your situation with your, you know, your survival plan, that's probably something you've done, but yeah, I mean, I, to, to that point, I do, um, I have, uh, I, I went out of my way to purchase, uh, maps of this whole area. And, um, if you're not familiar with maps, maps come in all different scales, a smaller scale map, is of a larger area a larger scale map is a more detailed map of a smaller area so um i actually uh i got kind of the three different scales i got the the smaller scale the larger scale and the intermediate scale of this whole area around where i live um and and you can you know the they're it's getting harder to find and you kind of have to be a little bit educated on it because you have to know how to search maps. It's kind of like using the Dewey Decimal System almost. It's very similar to that. Right. Um, you have to know how to search like map sets and then within the map sets to, to find the, ex the exact ones that you're looking for. Um, but well, yeah, I've got those in a tube up in my bedroom. Okay, so let me just go back to what you were saying. So it's getting harder to, to what? Find actual maps? It's getting... So I like I remember, I mean... Not, not like it was a million years ago or anything, but I remember like being in my twenties and you could go into places like REI um, or, you know, on the East coast, they had a, there's a store called EMS Eastern mountain sports that they have on the East coast. Like you could go into those places and they would have like the file cabinet and you, you could buy, you could find topo maps like in a store. Um, now I don't, I can't think of any place that, that has them that sells uh, topographical maps. So now you have to, um, if you go to the U.S. Geological Survey's website, like their website, because it's you know it's a government website, it's um, it's really hard to navigate, especially if you already kind of don't know what you're doing. Right. Um, and so then, so yeah, finding online vendors that do good quality, up to date uh, topographical maps, because again, I mean, if you think think about where you live, I mean, think about how much that's changed in ten years or whatever. So right. if you if you do find a topo map that's the last time it was updated was 1975. That may not do you a whole lot of good either, right? But it's yeah. getting it's getting harder to find uh, vendors for for good up to date um, topo maps. Yeah, and I always I always used to keep a a road atlas in in my vehicle in the past, and I remember 
I used to love reading it too. Well, yep. looking at it, reading it, whatever it is. Uh, but I used to love reading, looking at that and, and using it and even planning out and with, you know, with like a highlighter, like routes and whatnot. Um, didn't so we, that's just quickly, like that's a, that's still a great resource. That's something that my dad taught me when I was 16, you know, always keep a road atlas in your car. Yeah. And it's buy one every year. It's like, I think my granddaddy used to like give them to people for Christmas every year, but, um, it's a great gift. Yeah. Keep, Keep it in your car, like always. Yeah. It's you. It costs twenty bucks. Put tuck it in a little pouch in the back of your seat and just leave it there. Yeah. Um, didn't we run into an issue in Oklahoma where we needed a map and we had to go? We sent somebody out to buy one. I think we were able to to find. Oh yeah, one. that's right. Yeah, yeah we that's used right. it and we because we used a map for, uh, for, the for FTX. that FTX. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um. So, but you know, again, that 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 makes sense for your local area go back to the episode we did about the, the plane crash. Okay. Well, you, you have no, you have none of this pre surveying of a, of a topographical map. I mean, I don't know, maybe there was one in the, in the airplane, but again, I don't know that it, you know, this is a worst case scenario handbook. So I think the worst case scenario is you are not in familiar territory and you do not have GPS you may not even have a compass. So if we're going to really worst case scenario this. Sorry. Road pains. We can, we, we'll, we'll just throw an applause in. Yeah. Um, so if we're going to worst case scenario this, then let's really make it the worst case scenario. So maybe, maybe it's, it's, Here's an idea. Maybe we rewrite this book as the worst, worst case scenario survival handbook and throw in what the actual situation should be. Like you are driving, you lose your, your blinker fluid evaporates and your car goes off the road and your cell phone gets ejected from the car and you are stuck somewhere and, and now you have no GPS. What are you going to do? Well, it's funny because, like, this is another one of those things like we've talked about with, um, like, processing an animal that you kill. Like, I mean, um, to some people, being out in the wilderness without a food source, like a, you know, without a box of granola bars, that would be a worst case scenario. But if you know how to kill an animal or trap an animal and process it, then it's not. I mean, so this is another example, like, navigating without GPS is it's just the way it used to be. It's, it's, that's the way I drove when I was 18 years old, I drove from North Carolina to San Diego with no GPS because we didn't have it then. That's um, a good point. now it's, con it's convenient, um, that everybody has it now cause you have it on your phone. Um, but also like, you know, getting ejected from the vehicle or, or whatever and, and losing your phone or your phone breaking. If you're stranded somewhere, I mean, pretty much all GPS requires power. Um, so if you lose battery, if you lose power, if you lose the ability to charge a battery or whatever, you're still going to be without GPS. And to me, um, because this is something I know how to do it, it, this is not a worst case scenario. Um, but one of the things like flipping through the book, one of the things that it, it never really addresses is knowing cardinal directions knowing which way is North, which way is South, East, West. Right. Doesn't do you a whole lot of good. If you don't know where you are, like that's, that's like the number one rule in land navigation is you have to first determine where you are. And we talk about triangulation and things like that. There's, there's things you can use to ascertain your location. 
and then you need to know which direction is which because now I know I'm here and I want to go this way. So which which direction do I need to travel? But if you don't know where you are and you don't know which direction help or escape or rescue or water or whatever, if you don't know where you are and you don't know where you need to go, then knowing which way is north isn't really going to help you that much anyway. Right, right. I, I did find some of those, and, and we'll get to some of those, but I did find some of those things interesting, um, and I'm wondering how accurate some of those some of those are. Obviously, not so much the, you know, the the water flowing in the in the valley direction, but uh, the one about the stuff in the city, and, and we'll get to that. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I guess the question is, so, you know determining where your location is. So obviously, you know, determining what true North is or true South is, um, you know, watching the sun, obviously everybody knows that the sun rises on in the East and sets in the West. Right. I mean, that's, that's clear. Um, everybody can look to the North and find the, uh, you know, the North star, um, basic, uh, astronomy with the, the, you know, the big dipper and, and whatnot. Um, but they brought up some points in there about navigating with the, the moon and I think the stars, right. Or the stars. Um, yeah. Celestial navigation is, um, I mean, it, it was used mostly by sailors, um, you know, right. in the days of exploration when we didn't you let, not only do we not have GPS, but we didn't really have, uh, maps so people were going into you know uncharted areas or traveling you know great distances and um celestial navigation goes back to determining where you are um because if you're on a ship or you know even now on an airplane you can look at your compass and your compass can tell you you're going north so you can maintain you're heading and you're going north, but the wind is pushing you, even though you're pointed in the direction you intend to be pointed, you're not in contact with the ground. So the winds and the seas are going to push you off of your, your intended path. And so um, typically every night um, sailors would use the celestial navigation to kind of recalibrate where they are and how they need to, to correct their course. Um, but for most people, people uh number one celestial navigation is very very difficult and takes many many years to learn it well um and when you're doing land navigation you're in contact with the ground so you're not being like pushed off course by winds or seas really um so honestly for for most people like i I would like i don't even think uh when i first joined the navy they were still teaching celestial navigation a little bit now we don't even really teach it anymore um but i don't think that's something that's really ever been taught to the army or the marines because when you're land navigating you don't really need it um and you know just so people know like everybody knows the the sun rises in the east and sets in the west um so that that's a good way to to find a general direction during the day but um it does not work with the moon. No. The moon rises and sets at a different place in the sky every night. So right. you can't, the, the moon does not rise in the east and set in the west, and you should not use the moon to navigate. So. No, no, but one of those, you're right, you should not use the, the moon to navigate. But one of those things um, that they were talking about, um, obviously, was the, uh, what did they say? That something about the, the North Star or whatnot. I mean, but North Star is not, is not true north. Um, Right. That, that's kind no, of what they're referring to. And it, it also that that varies uh, depending on what hemisphere on Earth you're in and things right. like that. You know. Yeah. Um, 
and and you know you just talked about obviously the you know the weather and and whatnot and the wind um but one of the other things that this has kind of always been talked about and it's just something and maybe you've heard it. i know i i know that i've heard it i'm pretty sure that you've heard it like obviously if you're lost in the in the wilderness and you try and find a river right and you follow that river downstream and eventually you will come to something or yeah that's that's one of the little um rules of thumb that i heard when i i think when i was a boy scout even i've heard it in the military too but yeah uh streams lead to creeks creeks lead to rivers rivers lead to people yeah is is the way i heard it yeah so that so that's that's obviously still a viable piece of information to use um and and i i believe they 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 talked about the direction of rivers in in it but i don't i don't feel that that's that's accurate it talked about like in north america like all the all the major mountain ranges in north america kind of run north south so like the appalachian mountains kind of run along a ridge line because of the way uh tectonic plates and glacial drift pushed the the mountains up and so sure you know the the um like the pacific crest trail i mean generally runs north to south it runs from mexico to canada the appalachian trail runs basically north south in a north south orientation so um they were saying like most rivers in those areas of north america would tend to run east west kind of because from those mountain ranges the rivers are running the water's running downhill basically but that's a very very generalized statement and and, and like the mississippi river that's, does not run east west you know exactly so, that's that's what i was going to say the mississippi north. river runs north to south and right. and it, and it does i think it does address that in the book it doesn't say that it's not you know um absolute but it, it they they did say that it was a suggestion um and they talk about like those the little things like um Moss grows on, you know, this is another thing that I heard when I was a kid from my granddaddy, like moss only grows on the north side of trees. Well, that's mostly true-ish in most places, but um, a lot of these things that are in the book to me are, like, they make sense to me, but they're kind of rules of thumb that can help you if you already kind of know what you're doing. Like, these wouldn't be great things to follow absolutely if you didn't yeah, already know that what that's what i kind of find is a little bit a little bit unnerving like and it's going to go back to that article that you sent me basically someone is going to read this book and be like oh i'm good to go i can survive without gps because i'll just check the moss and i'm good i know exactly where <laughs> i am it's just like no well, like one of the things from covid that everybody kept repeating you know correctly was um don't mistake information for knowledge. They're two different things. I can Google search something real quick and get a piece of information, but that doesn't make me an expert and doesn't make me knowledgeable. And a lot of people conflate those two things nowadays. Yeah, that's very true. Um, going back to some of those points that they threw in there, excuse me. Um, they, they talked about the weather and obviously the wind blowing and, and whatnot. And again, loose interpretation of that um i kind of was interested and i would love to do some research to find out if this is true about the woodpecker situation yeah like, i've never heard that one that was new to me too yeah and uh, so for for those that are um just kind of obviously that haven't gotten the book and read it in the last 31 minutes um 
let me let me just kind of be very clear about what it what it says with the woodpeckers um but uh let's see where is it it says listen for the woodpeckers and then woodpeckers peck the majority of their holes on the south side of trees in the northern hemisphere they also peck on the other sides though less frequently check multiple trees before doing this so it's like yeah thanks thanks. like woodpeckers always do this except sometimes they don't do this so listen for them but then check multiple trees to make sure that the information we just gave you is accurate because if it's not we told you to that it's not always accurate. It's like, Your best bet is probably to kill and eat the woodpecker. and then There you go. Kill, catch the on. woodpecker, kill it, eat it, um, yeah. and then be done with it. Um, but again, like, where did they pull that information from, right? Like, right. I'm, hoping, I'm hoping that if a book is published and it's been out for a long time, some of this is fact-checked. Where are all those fact-checkers from Facebook? They need to be on this book. Um, or do they? Or do they? Right. Um, so that was that. That was kind of determining your, you know, your location is your is is the first step in this, right? I mean, I think that's that's clear and kind of what you just said. Like, you have to figure out where you are before you start to move. And the, there's uh, there's a term that we use in land navigation. It's called handrails. Um, which is basically like these things can be handrails. Like if I already know that I need to be moving east instead of stopping to check my compass every five minutes to make sure I'm still going east, I can use these things as little guideposts to make sure that in general, I'm still moving in generally the right direction as I go. And like, you know, if, if you have a map and you look at your map and you see like um, this is a, a common thing where I'm from on the East coast Um, even if you're in kind of a wilderness area, kind of in the middle of nowhere, um, you know, the state at some point cut these huge swaths through the, the forest to put power lines and power line poles. Um, so if you come across one of those and it's going in about the same direction you are, even if it's not going exactly the right direction, but again, in general, in the right direction, you can use those like clear cut paths as like a, a handrail, to keep you moving. And in those areas, you can probably move faster than you can like through a, right. through a wooded area. So even though it's taking you a little bit off course, it's helping you um, go a farther distance uh, faster. So, and, and those uh, will usually lead to some kind of hub, right? Some those kind power of, lines are going yeah, somewhere. Yeah. yeah so, um, but you, you just, you brought up compass. So obviously, you know, th- this next part, how to travel, um, you know, having a compass is, is important. Do you have a compass you on your, how to use it? If you know how to use it, there you go. Um, you have a compass on your phone. Uh, I believe that whether these things have cell service or not, the compass still works. Yeah. If you, if you turn your Wi-Fi and your cellular, um, data and everything off, the compass will work. I don't, I would actually like to read more about that because um, may, maybe I'll I'll read up on it and, and kind of close the loop on it in a future episode. But but um, I would like to know, like going into a complete loss of the grid. I mean, that there's obviously not a compass embedded in the phone. It's getting it's getting some signal from somewhere to calibrate it, because I don't know on my older iPhone, 
um, there was like a little process you could go through to calibrate the compass and on this newer one, I was actually playing with it before we started the podcast here today. And, um, mine doesn't have the calibration feature anymore. Like, a, so apparently it just stays calibrated all the time now. So that tells me it's getting something from somewhere. So, uh, maybe without Wi-Fi and without cellular, cellular data, the compass will still work. But if it was a complete loss of the grid, I don't know if it will. Well, and also just of note, it point, I checked it also before we started today, the compass on your phone points true north and not magnetic north. Okay. So that comes into play as well. So, but I, but I, what I will kind of give it maybe a little bit of credit to, to, to determine if it works. If you do not have cell phone, cell phone service, um, total loss of service, you're in a elevator or whatever, and you all your bars are gone. Your phone will pop up and say SOS. And I'm pretty sure that you can still dial emergency services. Even if you have no Wi-Fi, no cell service at all. I believe it still works like that. So maybe the compass is working off of whatever that network is, but again, something to test out. Um, yeah. Something to definitely try. And um, I've talked about this before, but um, there's a lot of people don't know about this. There's a uh, function of Google earth where um, you have to like, you obviously you can't download the entire earth, you know, to your phone, but um, you can go on Google earth and, um, outline you know specific areas and download those maps to your phone so that even if you don't have any sort of connectivity um, you can still reference those maps and then like i have this other app along with that um it's uh it's just called land nav and that app can use um the maps that you downloaded to your phone with your phone's compass and actually make your phone a fairly usable um land nav tool Okay, so this is a separate app that you that is yep. okay. Is it a paid app, free app? Not that it matters, but just I've had it on my phone for so long, I can't remember if I um, if I paid for it or not. But it's called Land Navigation Assistant, designed for military personnel. Okay, um, but uh, but it's it's pretty good, and and it can use like if you if you take the effort to go on Google Earth and actually download specific map sets that you want to reference that, uh, that app will work with those, but it's, it's a pretty neat little tool. Good. Okay. Good to know. Uh, anybody listening, there you go. Check out that app. Um, also if you're listening and, and if you have, if you have confirmed any of this stuff, like the stuff about the woodpecker or the, <laughs> uh, the compass working without service, let us know. I mean, uh, obviously, if you're watching this, you can add comments to below. Uh, if you're watching this and you have not already liked and subscribed to the YouTube channel and click the bell so you get notified when new episodes come out, go ahead and do that now. Uh, if you're just listening to this on Spotify, um, drop us a comment and let us know if, if you've verified any of these things. Um, and also, like, I think... Um, I could be wrong about this, so somebody can point that out if I am, but um, we it's kind of like what you and I talked about the other day, the difference between AI and a computer program just running the program and people referring to it as AI. Um, we refer to our phone as GPS, but I don't actually think our cell phones have an actual GPS antenna. I think it's uh, I think your phone just triangulates itself off of other cell phone towers. I don't think it's actually utilizing GPS, so um, that's that's another. Do you mean like using the Maps app to get from here to 
you know, Boone, North Carolina. Yeah, and I'm, and like when I use my handheld Garmin GPS, it has a GPS antenna on it that that does connect to the satellites in space. Got it. And and gives me my position based on those satellites. But I, your cell phone, I don't think does that. I think it just triangulates itself off of uh, cell phone South towers. towers. Hmm. That be that, that's also something interesting to do. Maybe a little bit of follow up research on to determine. So like in a in a a grid loss situation, like um, I, I've referenced this before too, like the. Um, if you start Chris's GPS company and and partner with Elon or whoever and put some satellites up, um, there's like there's a law or a federal regulation or whatever that um, there has to be a backdoor for basically for the government to take oh, control right. of of Chris's yeah. uh, GPS service. So like the the government can shut off commercial GPS at at any time, anytime they want to, anytime. Yeah. Uh, if there's some sort of national emergency or some big strategic uh, military war going on or whatever um the government can deny civilian use of commercial gps's um so and yeah and you've discussed we we actually talked about that on a previous episode too i believe right yeah yeah but i'm just saying so even if you have a handheld gps that does connect to satellites in certain situations it may not work and then um i think if if all satellite service uh, not satellite if all cellular service goes down like down hard um i don't think the gps functions of your phone are going to work right. because I, i'm pretty sure it works off of the yeah cellular triangulation not actually gps satellites yeah now now what are so what are your your thoughts on the whole point of obviously calculating time and distance so w w we've talked about calculating your location or not, maybe not calculating but figuring out location i mean calculating time and distance obviously it's important but i mean is it is it possible to and i think time and distance kind of are one and the same here right so obviously so it's a it's a triangle it's distance speed and time so if you want to solve for time you need to know how far you're going at what speed and you can get time. If you want to solve for what speed you need to go, you need to know the time or the distance you're going to go and the time constraint that you have, and it'll tell you what speed you need to go. And then to calculate distance, you need to know what speed you've gone for how long and you can get distance. So it's a triangle and each two legs will give you the answer to the third one. But yeah, yeah. Th that's some, that's a concept that you need to be familiar with. You need to be good at math. Like these are, these are um, like, I try to teach my daughter these things. Like when she, starts getting down on math and thinks that math is dumb and math is not important. I mean, uh, I, I did that this morning. I, I did underwater navigation this morning on our scuba dive, um, doing, doing calculating time distance and using my compass underwater, um, to navigate us around this route and, and get us back to where we started because like our visibility is more, we can only see 15 feet visibility. So I can't really use any landmarks. I have to do everything off of my compass and then calculating the, those time, speed and distance things that you're just talking about. But, um, it is important, but it's, it's most important, um, a quick story. Like, uh, this was when I was doing my first pre-deployment training for my first deployment to Afghanistan in 2009. Um, we did a block of workups in, uh, in, in Mississippi in the vast wilderness of, uh, like Southern and central Mississippi. And one of the things we did you know, after training to it, but one of the things we did was uh, we did a four day, uh, four day, three night um, continuous land navigation problem. I mean, it was like a, we must have walked a hundred miles or so in oh, wow. four days. Um, no, that's not. No, that's that's too much. Uh, probably 
it was probably somewhere around 50 miles. Um, cause I want to say we covered, cause it was like deep, vast, thick, like untouched by humans wilderness in, in central Mississippi. Um, and we probably covered 12 to 15 miles a day and it was four days. Um, wow. but anyway, we had to find like, we had to find exact points. So we had to plot these exact points on our maps and then go to these exact points and we had to find them and they were, uh, the points were all you know, somebody had put them out there, um, but they were like one inch diameter PVC pipes that were about maybe two feet tall, hammered into the ground. And so we had to navigate ourselves through this thick wilderness and find this little piece of white pipe sticking out of the ground, you know, in this huge, huge area. And it was basically, we walked, it basically walked us around in a circle because once you found the first point, from there, then you had to go to the second one, onto the third one, and then you had to set up camp, and you had to set up a perimeter and perimeter security, and because you know we're in the military and we have to pretend like we're playing war, but it was a four-day-long, you know, fifty-plus-mile uh, land navigation problem where we had to be very, very exact. But yeah. to my point, um, if you're in a survival situation, you don't—I don't really see any reason why you really need to be that exact if you're trying to self-rescue or just kind of get from one area to the next or just to. Um, you know, find your way out of trouble. Um, you like, I think knowing where you need to go and just moving in a general direction and not, not being that exact or having to be exact enough. Cause it's not like, right. Finding a road is finding a road. It doesn't matter if you find mile marker one on the road, you found a road. Right. But like in the military, we need to like link up with other forces at an exact place at an exact time and, and, and hit an exact objective or whatever. But I think in a survival situation, I think, I'm trying as I'm talking, I'm trying to think of, of a reason why you would have to do that. And I can't really think of one. Yeah, I don't I, I think you're right there. I mean, it, it, finding a finding a town is right. acceptable, except you don't need to find, you know, 231 Main Street. Like, you know, just finding Main Street is good enough. Yeah. Um, OK, well, so, you know, obviously that that is that is an important thing. So that and that, I think that plays into. So take take what you want away from this right i mean and if you if you understand that that triangle uh and you understand math great if you don't and 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 after hearing how jamie just explained that if there's questions seek out that information seek out that knowledge and and learn that i mean that's you know all of all of the things that we're talking about can be addressed with acquiring information acquiring training and practicing all that um and i think that's pretty fair point um now you have traveling and you have traveling obviously in in woods and whatnot and um different geographical areas will provide or provide you with different challenges um i guess um and and we just talked about you know, how this works if you're prepared, meaning you're in your vehicle, your vehicle breaks down, whatever happens, apocalypse has, has kicked off and you have your get home bag and you're prepared with your gear. Um, but you know, how do you prepare for that without any gear? And again, you know, we just, we kind of went over some of that with no compass, no pen, nothing to write on. Um, you know, how do you track how do you do those math equations without the the stuff 
to do it. Um, yeah. I think it's obviously knowing how to use a compass is, is important, but then knowing how to find general direction without it is probably more important. I don't have a compass on yeah, me right now. You know, well, they're like one of my favorite things to do because it's a neat little trick. It's like, it's a neat thing to like, um, show to a kid. Um, and it uses like the, the, you can, you, you can do anything. You just, you basically just need three sticks. Um, and, uh, you need a, a clear little area and it needs to be like in, in fairly direct sunlight. As long as there's enough sunlight to cast a shadow, um, you need one stick and it doesn't have to be tall. It just needs to be like three or four inches tall, and fairly straight. Um, stick it in the ground where it's sticking straight up out of the ground and wherever it casts the shadow, mark the tip of the shadow that, that the stick has cast. And then you wait like 15, 20, 30 minutes. Like the, the longer you wait, the more accurate it'll be. But like typically rule of thumb is like, 15 to 20 minutes and then the shadow is going to move because of the movement of the sun and then you mark the tip of the shadow again so you've got your first mark you've got your second mark um that first mark is west that second mark is east and so you can draw a line between that that gives you a, a perfect like uh east west line and then you once you have that line 90 degrees off of that gives you a north south line and uh that's you don't need anything for that you can you know, probably most places on earth you can find a stick and two little pebbles or whatever, <laughs> right. but, um, that's a cool little thing to know. It's a cool little trick to know. And it's a fun thing to like show to kids and stuff like that. And it's, it's a cool little thing to keep in the back of your mind. Yeah. And it can, and it can be used in a situation where you don't have the things that you, yep. that you need. And, you know, um, I lived in South Florida for quite a bit of, of time and, you know, they have the grid system down there. Everything is north, south, east, and west. There is no northwest, southwest. And then, you know, coming back up here to the northeast and, you know, you're in this rural area, it's just you, you don't have that. And obviously it's really easy to navigate in South Florida. If you go east and continue, you're going to hit the ocean. Uh, you go west. Well, and one of the things, going back to the book, uh, kind of in line with the woodpecker holes, um, it says older Christian churches were constructed in a north-south orientation, with yeah. naves running east-west. Yeah, that's something I never knew. I didn't read that either. Right. Oh, uh, so, and I would love to. I would love to find out about that. Like, yeah. Um. You know the the obviously the north and the south valleys and whatnot. Um. What was the other thing about? Um, oh yeah, the the churches, the old buildings. Uh, we talked about yeah the moss. Um. There was something and, else uh, about the trees and the. It says um, in the Northern Hemisphere, which if you're in the United States, you're in the Northern Hemisphere, um, all satellite dishes point south. Yeah, so that one. And then the other one was uh, something about the trees, right? It was, um, what was that? Let me see. Um, I, the, the, the moss always grows on the north side of trees. Oh, no. So. Uh, well, uh, it was check the edges of lakes. Frozen snow, um, frozen snow-covered lakes will display sestrugi, wind-driven ridges from west to east. Again. Hmm. Oh, oh, right there it is. Check the base of trees or poles. The snow at the base of a tree or a pole will display a crescent shape on the south side of the tree slash pole. The result of um, melt from the retained heat of the sun. I have heard that before. Yeah. That's so, you know, like, again, there, I'm glad that you've heard that because that's something you, you sit there and you read and you're like, is this real? Is this true? And 
Turns out it is. Um, well, I don't know if it's true. I'm oh, just saying just I've heard, heard that one before. <laughs> you just heard it. All right. Anybody that's in the north half of the United States that deals with snow, we're going to need you to verify that come December when we get snow-ish, whenever that is. <laughs> um, so... So this that that leads us obviously up to a, a no GPS situation, right? Um, and you're you're out there, you're stuck, and whatever the case may be, where you do not have GPS. Um, but there there's another. I guess there's a flip side to that coin, right? Um, and that's you don't have a grid. Um, and I'm not sure if we go into that for this, for this one, or we make this kind of a part two. I mean, what, what do you, what do you think? Like we've, we've covered a lot of information and, and I, and I got to say that I did not think that we would, and the reason I kind of linked these two together is because, you know, the, the, the topic of navigating without GPS was three pages in this book, but we've, we've been able to really kind of die, dig down a little bit on some of this stuff and, and, and discuss it in, in length um, and kind of look at it from somebody who's experienced with land nav. So I don't know. Do well, we... I mean, I, I can answer a couple of, of things like number one, I mean, we could do, I mean, like the times I've actually learned like land nav in the military, like in a, in an actual classroom and, and, lab setting you know like you learn it in the classroom then you go out and you do like just a small like one day field problem then you come back in the classroom and you learn about plotting on the map and then you go out and you you do that out in the lab and and whatever i mean but these are things that take several several days and and lots and lots and lots of actual practical application and practice to actually learn so um so yeah we we could go on all day nerding out about land nav but um if you want to move on to the the grid question um like I read like I read through and keep it pertinent to the book um, because there's really not this is two pages for how to survive a grid collapse, which uh, which we've had more like I think some of the conversations that we've already had pertaining to this is has been longer than that. Yeah. Right. I mean, yeah, I was just going to make one point about we like we can read through the little the bullet points that it gives. But um, the thing that like I just kind of fundamentally disagree with the way it paints the the grid collapse thing, because um, basically this book implies that if there's a complete (laughs) collapse of the grid um, or power grid is specifically what they're meaning, is that like your number one objective should be finding your way back to a place that has power. And like I. I fundamentally disagree with that because urban centers and places where there are lots of people where there's maybe likely to get power restored or maybe maybe they still have it or a place where you could find a generator or something like that. Those are the places where I want to stay away from because I want to stay away from those big population centers and I want to stay away from those big clusters of people because that's going to be way more dangerous than not having power. Right. I, I'm okay with not having power. I'm not okay with being in, in the middle of a complete chaos of, of an urban environment where people are just losing their minds. Right. So, so what they, they, they refer to this as obviously a true black sky event. And, and they say that it can result in 75% or more of the nation's transformers to be destroyed. So th- there's a couple of things to kind of unwrap here, right? One is in a natural 
occurrence that has destroyed these these grids and these transformers, or is it something man-made? So I I think I think the best kind of course of action here is to and and, I, and I'm, I'm going to refer back to one of our old episodes, but I think the best course of action is to really take this and kind of break down a lot of the things that they referred to there because that's not something that they that they address in these three pages or whatever right. of it's like okay you know they i think they said something about natural or um a targeted attack okay you should probably elaborate 17 pages on the targeted attack because again the worst worst case scenario is is that Right. Yeah, we we talked about it in the I think it was in the the modern survivalist like uh, podcast like uh, episode. Maybe I'm wrong about that, but um, it's that is pretty much the primary factor in my decision making of my. Um, oh, it was activating your uh, right. the activating your survival plan. That's what yep. it was. Um, but uh, that that is like the primary factor in my decision making is did the power go down or was the power taken down because the, right. The answer to that question is going to lead me in two completely different directions. Right. So, so again, I'm going to, I guess I'm going to disagree with the, the books. Yeah. Um, I agree with your disagreement. Thank you. Thank you. And, and I don't necessarily disagree with the, the GPS portion of it because I think there are some pieces in there that you can use. Like you said, maybe there's some of that stuff that works if you already know what you're doing, but the, the things that they put out about this, you know, surviving a, a, a grid going down. I don't think it works for anybody who doesn't know what they're doing. And it definitely doesn't work for anybody that knows what they're doing. Like you said, like I said, I mean, first, if I'm going to determine if this was an attack and if it's an attack, then we're definitely not going anywhere where there's a lot of people. We're staying away from all that. You know, one of the things, well, and I mean, go ahead. The other, the other aspect to it being an attack is, and, and, Nobody wants to. Everybody like kind of feels uncomfortable like phrasing it this way, but like th this could also be like a a mass manipulation where it's not necessarily like a, a foreign enemy attacking us, but uh, like almost like a martial law situation where where the the city or state or federal government deliberately cuts power because they want to manipulate people into staying in because pe so many people now are reliant on electrical electrical power electrical appliances, electronic devices, and all that stuff. Well, if we cut power, everybody will stay indoors and nobody will go out. Nobody will go anywhere. So, um, again, that's, I just wanted to point that's, that's a little bit different than us being attacked by somebody as well. Like, right. So again, a lot of those points are, I mean, if you read this book and, and you get to this chapter, please do not take this as a Bible and, yeah. and go out and wear it as a, as a, a, a badge of honor. Um, one of the things that they did mention, and I will agree with this, is they did talk about ham radios and that how, how it's going to be a, an essential piece of communication and probably gathering information on a nationwide uh, level. And you know as well as I do that the, the, there is a large group of ZERT members that they check in every week and they try and connect with people across the country because it is, uh, it is so important. Um, so I will 
stress again the importance of ham radios and getting involved with that if you are not already. Um, I did recently hear something that um, because like interest or participation or somebody's perception of relevance or whatever, um, that uh, ham radio towers and repeaters are no longer going to be publicly funded anymore. Um, they're they're really? removing all yeah pu- like government and public funding. Uh, so now. Um, if people want to maintain ham towers and repeaters, it's going to have to be privately funded or they're just going to just fall into disrepair. Wow. That's, that's concerning. And it's also interesting. I mean, why would they, why would the government do something like that? I don't know. Weird, awkward. Um, you know, and then they they go on, the, the book goes on to talking about gathering supplies and, you know, um, Again, I think that the point to take away from this is is how long is this situation occurring? Going back to your point, is it been is it has it gone down or is it taken down? Is it taken down by us? Is it taken down by somebody else in a, in a um, in a destructive manner? Right, and that brings us to that kind of um, shit hits the fan situation, apocalypse type situation. But that that I. You can you can make this a four hour episode on just all of those factors. Yeah. Um, you know the 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 book goes on to talk about gathering supplies. Well, we've talked about this before. If you need to start gathering supplies when it's time to gather supplies, you're already failing, right? Like you you shouldn't really have to gather much if you're in this preparedness survivalist lifestyle. If this goes down, you're like, oh, sweet. I can finally, you know, bust open some of those cans of clam chowder in the basement. (laughs) You're not going out looking for it. One of the things that I did, um, I did like, um, is, and I didn't think about it and maybe you have, I'm sure you probably have, but having a bicycle. Like, yeah. Um, for, for several years, I dated a girl that, uh, lived in Los Angeles and uh, like she and she lived like right in the middle of Los Angeles, like right, like uh, not in down. She lived in in uh, Hollywood. But um, this is something that she and I always talked about. And, and I think we've we've vaguely referenced it before is like if if you have loved ones and there's there's a physical distance between you and, and these people that are important to you. Um, do you have a plan for how to link up if all communication has been severed? Um, but uh again like with an eye towards she i think she was mainly asking in the vein of of natural disasters but but for man-made events as well um she would always say like what would be my best way to get out of the city i mean you know los angeles is the is probably the largest um city on the west coast of north america so if if there was some major catastrophic event what's the best way to get out and uh, uh like a, a motorcycle is what i told like a, a moped or a dirt bike or right. whatever um but yep. yeah but a bicycle is good for that too but um a bicycle's uh load capacity is limited by your physical capacity so true but now they do have those and and this was the, the piece that i kind of put in there um you know they have those electric bicycles yeah. now with the battery. So and you can, I believe, you can operate those as a regular bicycle. But then they all are also um, fully electric or maybe power assisted. I don't know. That that would be something 
to to do a little bit more uh, research on to find out because uh, that's something that's interesting. Um, yeah, I agree. Y- you know, one of the other things is, and and, we, and I think I don't know if you and I joke about this or Dan and I have joked about this, but you know, like I have an analog everyday carry pistol, and then I have a digital analog a digital pistol, which obviously it's you know just having a red dot and whatnot on it. Um, but you know, having supplies that are analog versus digital in a time when the, the grid is down, I think is important, right? So, you know, having a, um, a, we talked about having an atlas or having a map, having a mechanical compass, having a portable light with batteries instead of something that re- it needs recharging. You know, if you're like me, I, I know I've got, you know, this 72 hour pack of batteries in both AAA and AA and then I have a bunch of the um, the Surefire batteries, whatever those are, the the CR the CR one twenty three, yeah, CR one twenty threes. So yeah. I have a bunch of those um, on standby. That's a better option than having a rechargeable one where you need to plug into a wall. In my opinion, um, they do now. Uh, they make these obviously the um, you know the battery packs now. Um, they make some of those with, and they're great. They have multiple charger styles that are built into it on the backside they have a solar panel so i'm assuming you can get some charge from that the one thing i'm going to kind of raise a question about when it comes to solar is is your garmin solar this one yeah no this one is not okay so this one is i can't say that it's ever actually charged it to the point where I don't need to charge it, right? Like, I don't know how much how much that solar panel charging thing works. Um, something to test out. I had a little uh, solar panel. It was made by either Snow Peak or Brunton, if I'm pronouncing that right. But um, it was – actually, it wasn't – I don't know. Maybe it was uh, maybe the size of if you took a eight and a half by eleven sheet of paper and, and folded it like in half is about that size. Okay. Um, but as a little solar panel that you could uh, charge your phone with, and like my iPhone, it wouldn't charge it all the way. It would get um, it would charge it up to about eighty percent and like kind of uh, reach um, what do they call it like. Uh, stasis like Got the yeah. the amount of power that the phone was using was matching the the amount of power coming in by the solar panel so it wouldn't take it to 100 um but it would get it to about 80 okay so i don't but I, that's i don't know about the little whatever the solar panel is built into the the face of your watch yeah i who knows how that is i mean it's a it's a i think it's a great gimmick and yeah you know garmin let us know if you're watching <laughs> plus also release a new watch soon Anyway, um, the other thing, and kind of as we as we wrap this thing up, um, the the military base piece was kind of interesting to me. Um, and first off, if you're listening, if you're watching this, do you know where the closest military base is? It's to you. I mean, I'm sure if you live in an area, you know, like in Georgia, you may, you may know where Benning is. And if you're in North Carolina, maybe you know where Bragg is. Um, but you know, do you, I think you might know, you, you know, just a little yeah. bit, right? 
Um, yep, I'm going to find out in just a little while. Just a little while. But that's that's important. And I mean, I don't know if you can talk about it or not, but is there a, are there protocols in place where if a situation happens um, and the public wants to get to the base for safety and security, is, is that a thing? I mean, there may be a, a folder somewhere that's in a briefcase somewhere that's in a safe somewhere that has contingency plan, you know, 12 Bravo that that's for it. But it's not something that that we're familiar with that we train on. I mean, it, it, that may be like a FEMA thing okay. or um, but that's that is not something that that we that I've ever trained for at all. Um, I would be that was another thing I was kind of skeptical about because, I mean, the. the the point the book is making by telling people to try to make their way to the nearest military base is because that's a place that's likely to have redundant power sources and generators. And, right. um, and it, you know, if the power grid is restored, it will be restored to places like military bases and, and, uh, and places like that first. Um, but I, I, I don't know how good of an idea that that is. Um, I, I can just tell you that that's, that is not something that's, that's ever been talked about or trained on my entire time in the military. Right. Like it, it's, you know, m maybe know where it is, but uh, you know, I, I wouldn't show up there with your rifle slung being like, Hey, I'm here to, you know, to survive. Um, and I, and again, I think that goes back to, you know, what is the situation that brought us here? You know, obviously if it's, if it's an attack, then the, the military, National Guard, whatever, may be activated and taking control of areas based off of whatever that grid going down situation looks like. Um, I, I think, you know, w when I when I brought this idea to you to kind of take a look at this book and um read them and, and maybe make it a series. I, I still think it's something that we're, we can do and we can kind of explore whether it's a satire piece or, or not. But I think what you can, w you know, what we do is look at these and basically give them a, I agree with the, the book, or I think that, no, don't do this. Um, the things that we kind of talked about today and, and looked at today, I, I I feel like we put out some good information and, you know, we were able to, to look at some of it. Some of it's interesting. Some of it I would love to actually go take a look at. I'm going to go listen for some woodpeckers later and <laughs> I'm going to go track. I don't even down. think we have woodpeckers, so I, I can't, I no, can't help you with that one. No woodpeckers in California. Um, no, how about, a, yeah, I'm going to go search for some old churches and look at that. Uh, we do have some old churches around here. Um, but I think, you know, there's, whether this book has been written for a survival situation or not, you know, is, is left kind of up to make your own decision. If you decide to read the book, if you decide to go out and get it again, it's not, I mean, I don't think it's 20 bucks and you know, it's a, it's a good read while you're on the toilet or having a drinking game. Maybe, I don't know. Um, but what I, what I kind of want to do is, is wrap it up to the, the piece that you sent me. Um, and leave our viewers and our listeners with with that piece. So, why don't you uh, why don't you kind of wrap it up with that story that you sent me, and 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 people can make their own determination. Yeah, you want me to hit it? Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, so um, I it, it this was sent to me by by one of my friends, and then I, I sent it over to you. Um, it's a story about a family of three was found dead of exposure after they made the decision to live off grid without proper knowledge, but apparently they had relied solely on survival handbooks with a bad result. They were unprepared, unpracticed, and unable to function in a hardship situation that ended up costing them their lives. Their camp had was unfit. Or sorry, their camp had an unfinished lean-to, uh, which they were incompetent to complete construction. Uh, they were found with three emaciated bodies. Uh, they were found by a hiker, and they had died of uh, exposure, then starvation. Um, and it says, uh, and then the the news headline says, three decomposed bodies were found earlier this month in a remote Colorado campsite, having been identified as uh, two sisters and a teenage son from Colorado Springs who sought to live off the grid. A hiker came across the bodies in the Gunnison National Forest, located about 100 miles west of Colorado Springs on July 9th. Gunnison County coroner uh, said that the trio appeared to have arrived in early summer and a we're going to attempt to stay through the winter and knowing is that recent? what they learned in this July. Yeah. Oh, wow. So that's, that's a recent piece of news that, uh, Hey, that might even be another whole episode there, um, yeah. to, to talk about. Um, so here's how we'll wrap this up today. And we're going to bring it back to some of the stuff we've talked about in the past. They trusted a book to survive they didn't vet their instructor at the end of the day. Um, if you're out there looking for training, if you're out there gaining knowledge on being a prepared individual and a survivalist, make sure you're getting good information. Make sure you're using a great, a good instructor when it comes to learning firearms, learning medical, learning survival skills. Do not get your, uh, your run of the mill, whoever that, that just, you know, is regurgitating some information because it, it, it's crucial. It's crucial. Do not vet your instructors, vet your train, you know, whatever training piece of information that you're using, make sure it's a viable source. Um, because you do not want to go say, yep, I'm good. I can do this. And then you wind up in this type of, in that type of situation. So. Yeah. I mean, there's a, there's a term, um, they can be used for just about anything it's it's uh you know just enough to be dangerous <laughs> and so don't be the person that knows just enough to be dangerous right um very yeah it's very 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 true well um we can wrap today's episode up um i well first of all let me ask you what do you think of this platform the whole seeing and hearing you liking it? Yeah, I like it. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. It's um, like kind of with teaching classes, I'll teach anything that people want to sign up for. So if people want to want to watch, then yeah, I'm down for it. Yeah. This is neat. Yeah, I'm curious to see what the what the analytics look like here. This is obviously week two of this. Um, you yep. know, when I when I did this with Sean, he, he said, you know, if you're going to continue doing it, obviously, um, you know, just figure out ways to, to always make it better. Um, I know obviously just from yesterday till today, we have a different background up. Um, you have a different background up. Those are great power tools behind you, sir. That's very <laughs> nice. That's a, I think that's a DeWalt. That's a Ryobi over there. Um, I don't know how any of that works. Um, I did ask, uh, 
Sean about YouTube and you know like do they do they flag for for podcasts I don't know um, but I it, it's going to be fun and I think this is going to open up an opportunity for us to do different things talk about different things so if you're if you're just hearing this episode on Apple Podcasts Spotify or wherever you listen to know that. Um, it's also up on our YouTube channel, which is, I think just Zert nation. So if you do want to see what we're talking about, and especially if we, you know, like we held up the book on, on today's episode so people could kind of see it. So again, you can find us over there. Uh, and until next time, um, you guys stay safe out there and we'll talk to you soon. Jamie. It's easy to be hard. It's hard to be smart. There it Get is. Training. All right. We'll talk to you later, guys.